This is part two of chapter four, cases of pathological accusation. In Pathological Lying, Accusation, and Swindling by William and Mary Healy. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Case 15. Summary. Girl of 16, over a period of some weeks, made extreme accusations against several members of her family. She gave detailed account of sex immorality, alleged drunkenness and thieving, and an attack on her life. She had herself, it was found, begun delinquent tendencies. The family circumstances and her clearly detailed account gave the color of possibility to her accusations, but investigation proved some of them false, and all of a sudden, after maintaining for long a most convincing demeanor, she withdrew her allegations. Both before and since this episode, she has given no marked evidence of being a falsifier. We were asked to study this case by police officials who thought perhaps the girl was the victim of some delusional state. She appeared at the police station and informed them her adult brother had been thieving from the place where he worked. She lived with him. Investigation by detectives on the strength of her convincingly given details proved his innocence. When the brother appeared on the scene, he said he had been intending to report her on account of her being away from home. She herself was then held in custody. We found a girl in very good physical condition, well developed in sex characteristics and a very mature type of face. Outside of a somewhat enlarged thyroid and moderately defective vision, we found nothing abnormal. Weight 114 pounds, height 5 feet. Notable was her strong features, deep-set eyes, high, broad forehead, and sharp chin. Our study of her on the mental side led us to denominate her as having fair general ability. She had had poor educational advantages. We noted much irregularity on work on tests. She did comparatively poorly on anything that called for careful attention and concentration. This was especially notable when she was dealing with abstractions or situations to be mentally represented. Although she could do arithmetic up to simple division, she made a bad failure in the continued process of subtraction as given in the Krapelin test of taking eights from 100. In the work on the code, test 11, she found it altogether impossible to keep her mind concentrated. In tests where perceptions were largely brought into play, she did very well. We noticed that she was possessed of a very dramatic manner. She sighed frequently as she worked. She was very nervous, continually moving her hands and tapping the table. She was quite satisfied with her superficial efforts. It was very curious that we, as well as others, were able to note her apparent sincere belief in her own statements about her family. As she made them, she looked the interviewer straight in the eyes. There was not a hint of evasiveness. Her result on the Osage, test six, was very meager. She only recalled ten details of the picture. On cross-examination, she gave correctly fourteen more items and was wrong on three of them. She accepted only two out of five suggestions offered, and these were the most probable ones. A full family history was never to be obtained. The best that we came ultimately to know was that her father and mother had been long dead, and she had lived in institutions for years, 
then with a relative who was not at all a good person, and then with her brother and sister, whom she bitterly accused. These were people in decidedly poor circumstances and living in very congested quarters. Indeed, we were inclined to believe, finally, that crowded housing conditions with the necessary unfortunate familiarity with sex affairs and the like was largely responsible for her trouble. A few months prior to these events, she had become acquainted with a girl who had drawn her into running away from home a few nights. During her unsettled home life, she had seen a good deal of immorality in other houses, but had not been immoral herself conditions of squalor surrounded the whole situation her accusations against her family as told to others and reiterated to us involved the drunkenness of her own father and mother we were never able to verify whether this charge against her mother was true or not then she went on to allege extreme immorality on the part of her three sisters she gave these in the utmost detail there is little doubt but that one of her sisters was rather free living before she was married she constantly maintained that she was the only virtuous one in the family and had withstood all advances she then recounted much personal abuse and cruel treatment and accused the brother and his wife of an attempt to poison her because they wanted her out of the way her story was told in such detail was so well remembered from time to time and she presented such outward form of sincerity that experienced people were led to believe there must be much in what she said on one occasion under observation she cried nearly all of two days because one good woman would not believe her statements at least she said this was the reason of her tears her general behavior during this period of observation was perfect we found her hazy and somewhat incoherent about a number of the details of her life but she had lived under such varied circumstances that this alone was not convincing of her insincerity when we met her brother we were very sure that at least a part of her story was false he seemed to be a very decent fellow and was really interested in her several months earlier he had trouble with her on account of her staying out late at night and had threatened her then there was no more difficulty until her recent acquaintance with this other girl he stated that he had been obliged to scold her very severely and then finally she stayed away for five nights and wound up by going to the police station and making the accusations against him and the other members of the family when the case came up in court she stated that she wished to go back to live with this brother and admitted having continued misrepresentations about him and the others in the family since her acquaintance with this girl it really was all false she was placed under probation and the case has been except for environmental circumstances entirely successful she is now a young married woman and has had no further delinquent record against her our investigation of the causation showed perhaps self-protection from punishment for her own behavior but there was apparently much mental conflict about sex affairs and she had a very unfortunate acquaintance with such details resulting partly as she acknowledged from her peeping through keyholes and so on on account of her peculiar unreliability of statement and many quiet and staring periods seen while she was under observation we questioned whether she was not verging on psychotic conditions however all this tendency seems to have passed away case card case fifteen girls sixteen years adolescent instability home conditions 
defective through poverty and congestion, early sex experiences and mental conflict about them, reaction to own delinquencies, self-protection phenomenon, delinquencies, false accusations, mentality, fair ability, poor advantages. Case 16. Summary. A motherless girl of nine and a half years, following her complaint of local symptoms, which proved to be due to vulvitis, accused her father and brother of incest. She was a bright child and normally affectionate, even towards these relatives. Her father and brother were held in jail for several weeks, but were dismissed at the trial because of the ascertained untruth of the charges as causative factors of her false accusations, our study showed a. her local irritation, b. for which her father had treated her, c. prior crowded housing conditions with her father and brother, d. her lack of mother's control, e. early and intimate acquaintance with atrocious sex knowledge and sex habits, and f recently becoming the center of interest in a group of friends made through her statement of the vileness of family conditions we were requested to study this case by the judge of the court in which the father and brother of bessie m were to be tried for the crime of incest with her at a preliminary hearing the judge had felt that the remarkable statements of the little girl savored of untruth and that the character sustained by the brother in particular was quite out of keeping with grave accusations against him the girl's charges so clearly detailed together with her local ailment had proved thoroughly convincing to a group of women who had become interested in her bessie was evidently quite normal mentally and apparently affectionately regarded her only near relatives this father and brother her story appeared thus entirely credible the judge stated that he had been approached outside of court by these women, who in their righteous indignation were insistent upon the need of dire punishment of the outrageous conduct of Bessie's natural protectors. We found a rather poorly developed little girl, weight 64 pounds, height 4 feet 4 inches, bright, pleasant, vivacious expression, attitude normal, high, prominent, narrow forehead, head length 19 centimeters breadth 13 centimeters slightly asymmetrical frontal bosses snub nose eyes fairly bright ears asymmetrical in size 0.6 centimeters difference in greatest length thyroid palpable tonsils enlarged moderately no sensory defect of importance strength good for size color only fairly good results of gynecologic examination later bessie was given a wide range of mental tests with the result that we classified her as being well up to the ordinary inability indeed considering her poor school advantages through frequent changes of residence she did very well in the subjects covered by formal education her memory processes and ability to testify correctly in which we were naturally most interested seemed so far as we were able to test them quite normal of a standard passage about a fire test twelve which she read once to herself she recalled seventeen out of the twenty items a passage containing twelve main details test thirteen which was read to her in the usual way four times she recalled with two details omitted the osage test 
test six was done very well indeed with seventeen items of the picture given correctly on free recital and five rejections out of the seven suggestions proffered bessie's conversation was fluent and coherent her range of information was good she showed fondness for the dramatic statement her mother died in the old country when she was about four years old and her father had immediately come to america but had never established a home of his own for the last nine months bessie had been living with a woman mrs s who was deeply interested in her previously to this she roomed for about six months with her father and brother and prior to that time she had been placed about in different homes by her father after some months with mrs s she complained of local pain and irritation when taken to a physician she said her father was accustomed to touch her and her story involved incest by both her father and brother after others had become interested in her case the matter was turned into the hands of the police it was notable that during the period bessie's love of the dramatic was being fostered by her newly found woman friend who was providing her with lessons in dramatic reading and taking her extremely frequently to movie picture shows and theaters when first seen by us bessie reiterated her story of sexual relations with her father and brother as she had done with others and with the judge she went into almost convincing details her knowledge of such relationships was apparently complete she informed us that she had caught an awful disease from her father she said that while rooming with them her sexual relations with her father and brother were nightly occurrences they all slept in one bed a careful inquiry into bessie's earlier knowledge of such things brought forth the most astounding account one may say that this little girl had the most extensive acquaintance with many kinds of pervert sex practices that one has ever known in a young individual she now said that the last ones who engaged in such things with her were her father and brother her experiences began at five years with a boy and a girl and she maintained they had been very frequent ever since up to within the last nine months a number of boys and girls were involved as well as the men in two households where she had been placed the practices she had engaged in were many running all the way from self-use of pieces of broom to normal intercourse and both active and passive forms of pervert practices it is unnecessary even in this medical case to go into details or to give her actual phraseology it is sufficient to say that she frankly stated her early discovery of the pleasures of local stimulation and how she asked others to give it to her in various ways then she performed different perversions on boys and men she told about observing sex relations between husband and wife in households where she had lived she now says she had a disease before she came home to her father a doctor had told other people previously the men in two homes frequently had complete intercourse with her she maintains and gives description of it the credible substance of bessie's long story elaborately told upon inquiry into her life history was that she certainly had had many sex experiences when in the light of these it finally came to the question of the charges against her father and brother she said it was really she who had been the instigator when in bed she had begun playing with them she described her method learned before she now says they did not have real intercourse with her but the other men did 
The account of local physical conditions as obtained from several sources is as follows. Bessie was taken to a physician for vulvitis, etc., by some people before she came back to her father. During the period she roomed with her father, he regularly treated her locally with a salve and a wash. The physician who later examined her for Mrs. S. found the parts so swollen that he could make no diagnosis of ruptured hymen, but took it for granted. After the father and brother had been in jail for some weeks, the inflammation had subsided. It is only fair to say that the father had clamored for a specialist's examination, which he contended would prove his innocence. Of course, he was not aware of her earlier experiences, or he would not have been so sure. Then a competent gynecologist found that coitus had never taken place. The hymen was intact. This was at the time we studied the case. On the day of the trial, I, with two other physicians, examined the girl. It was found that a cotton swab about three-eighths of an inch in diameter could with difficulty penetrate the vaginal orifice. There was not the slightest evidence of any rupture of the hymen or of any vaginitis. So far as the awful disease was concerned, repeated bacteriological tests over a considerable period failed to show the extensive vulvitis to be due to gonorrhea. It seemed much more likely that it was due to nonspecific infection following traumatism from the use of the various foreign objects which the girl told she had used. Perhaps it was partly the result of the perversions which, judging by her knowledge of them, had been practiced by others on her. We were informed later that much indignation at our report to the judge was expressed by the crowd in attendance at the trial. The girl's first story was so well told that many had been irrevocably convinced of the utter guilt of the father. The father himself, who was brought to us in the course of our study of the case, was rather a low type in appearance. He was a poor earner, evidently had earlier been alcoholic, a small whining figure with tears in his eyes. His appearance would prejudice against him. The brother, on the contrary, made an unusually good impression. He had the best of recommendations. His sister's first charges ought not to have been believed on the basis of his qualifications. There had been five children, three died in infancy. No history of any significance was obtained, except that the development of Bessie had apparently been normal in all ways. Her mother was said to be normal. Both parents were evidently representative products of the underfeeding and generally poor hygienic conditions of the laboring classes in a large Irish city. There was unquestionably a great feeling of affection between the three. Indeed, Mrs. S. stated that it was the excessive kissing of the child by the father which made her suspicious. Bessie always maintained that both father and brother treated her very well and that she loved them much. It seemed clear to us that Bessie never knew in the least the significance of the charges she so glibly made at first. Her mind had long been so full of these things, and their social import seemed so slight that it meant no vindictiveness towards her loved ones to say what she did about them. She asserted to us later that she really did not know what she said to the judge at the first hearing. The case illustrated well the fallibility of a young girl's accusations coming even from the lips of a normally bright and affectionate daughter or sister. For her own protection, Bessie was given a trial in an institutional school. 
From there it was reported after a few months that her mind was found to be so continually upon sex subjects that it would be most advisable for her to remain long under the quietest conditions and closest supervision. Case card. Case 16, girl, age 9.5. Physical conditions, local irritation. Housing conditions, crowded. Early sex experiences, excessive and pervert. Parental control failure, no home, no mother. Delinquencies, serious false accusations. Mentality, good ability. Case 17. Summary. Boy of 16 years, not living at home, made false accusations of excessive immorality against his own family. These involved sex perversions, and he implicated even his own sister and brother and alleged the connivance of his mother. The main complaint was against the stepfather, who he also said was a professional thief. The improbability of such stories being told without good foundation led to much time being spent on investigating the case. As possible causative factors of the unmitigated lying we found a. defective heredity leading to b. typical constitutional inferiority with the peculiar states of mind characteristic of the latter c. poor developmental conditions through early illnesses d. excessive bad sex practices on the part of the boy himself vindictive reaction to charges of delinquency against himself might be considered a factor if his false accusations had not been made without any such stimulus a long time previously according to another classification this case belongs in our chapter on borderline types it is retained here because it so well illustrates pathological accusation john s is an undersized boy of sixteen a pitiable specimen when under arrest for vagrancy told such a heart-rending story of home conditions with assertions against family morality that the judge and others were moved to indignation and an investigation was started the general feeling was that no one who was not insane could make such statements about their nearest of kin without foundation in fact we found a poorly developed but fairly nourished young fellow weight 112 pounds height 5 feet 2 inches good strength for his size stigmata slight facial asymmetry ears very long and narrow dentition very irregular one upper canine having erupted behind the central incisor tattooing on the chest vision defective but how much so was impossible to estimate on account of corneal ulcer and gonorrhea ophthalmia gait and attitude very slouchy in contrast to general poor development has already full sex development and much hair over body for his age on the mental side we found an excitable and talkative fellow quite coherent and giving in no way any indication of aberration by the form or trend of his conversation he tells us he reached the sixth grade he willingly works on tests and we note the general result as follows learning and memory processes both for logical verbal and for meaningless associations quite good perception of form normal power of analysis of situations mentally represented only mediocre associative processes verbal not normally accurate writes good hand simple spelling correct arithmetic correct for fourth grade tests for several other points 
hardly fair to register on account of defective eyesight. On one, he failed because of not knowing the alphabet in order. Suggestibility extreme, as evidenced by testimony test. In giving report on the Osage picture, test 6, he enumerated 12 items, 11 of them correct, on free recital. Then he gave 11 more details, all correct, on cross-examination, but he accepted no less than 7 out of 8 suggestions offered. Information on current events is good, but on points said to have been learned at school is much mixed up. In giving responses to questions, he seized on any slight suggestion and adopted the idea. For instance, he said he read the life of Napoleon, but could not remember to which country he belonged. When England was suggested, he agreed to it. He then told various wrong incidents of Napoleon's life and death, also as suggested by the examiner. It finally came out that Bonaparte was an English nobleman who fought against France and Waterloo, was never defeated, and got sick in England. Then, in the same way, we get the information that this country gained its freedom from France, that Lincoln was president directly after Washington, and so on. John has read books from the library and various magazines, a considerable assortment. He knows almost nothing of even simple scientific facts, but is well acquainted with items gained from the newspapers and the theaters. Going into his story, as we were requested, we heard at once about the cruel conditions at home. The boy's own father had been dead for ten years, and up to within three years he had lived with a relative. While he was there, letters indicated that queer things were going on at home, and the stepfather was cruel to the other children. The mother was afraid to tell the whole story. When the boy came home, the stepfather at once began pervert sex practices with him, horrible things, and John found this man had been doing deeds of the same kind with an older sister and a younger brother. It seems the stepfather also beats the children and has put this older girl out of the house. Recently he has left his wife. When we go into John's own record, with which we had already made ourselves acquainted, he tells us he does not know what gets into him, but he has run away from home no less than eleven times. He works for a while, takes his wages, and then stays at a hotel. He says he has been arrested several times on this account. His mother always telephones the police about him, and that is why he is under detention now. He wishes he were at home. The next day we went into more of the details which had been liberally sketched to the judge and other officials. We now learn that the stepfather is a professional thief and that stolen goods he has taken are to be found in their home. He often leaves home and perhaps takes his wife's wages. She has to work out, and just now is again living at a hotel. The family have been informed by a physician that he is probably crazy. On a later occasion, the boy told my assistant that he wished to relate the whole story of his family. He then describes how the stepfather even blackens the eyes of the sister and that he has long been immoral with her. It now appears that perversions began between this man and John some two months ago, never before that. The mother is there in the house all the time and knows about and permits the stepfather's immorality with daughter and son. Cross-questioned afterward, the boy, evidently remembering what he had said before, states these practices with him began the night he came home three years ago 
but they had been going on with his sister before that. He knows this because his mother wrote and told him about it. His uncle wrote and told her to put a stop to it, but the stepfather intimidates her with a revolver. Our notes state that one afternoon when tests were being given him, John seemed to be in an excited state and often interrupted the procedure with talking. Seen in the hallway soon afterwards, he waved his hand and insisted on telling more about home conditions and about what the officers would find if they went up there. On still another occasion, he reiterated the same things, giving many details. It was about this time that John was found to give strangely fantastic and childish accounts of circumstances with which he had been connected. We transcribe his story of a celebration at a school. It is a good example of his tales. Quote, they had it on Lincoln's birthday and on the 4th of July, too. The teacher did not believe that Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves. The children said, oh, yes, he did, but they did not believe it. The children all hollered and said, yes, he did. Then they all ran up on the platform and got to fighting about it. The teachers would not believe that Lincoln freed the slaves till an old soldier came up there and told them, yes, he did do it. End quote. I questioned him about this matter, whether it was only a play they had or were they in earnest. Quote, oh, all in earnest, and they had a fight about it. The teachers would not believe that Abraham Lincoln freed the slaves, and the children all ran up on the platform and had a fight about it. End quote. Home conditions were next looked up by a court investigator, and we came to know the mother and sister. Much to our surprise, we found them to be quite self-respecting, entirely credible people of good reputation in the neighborhood. The mother is an honest, hard-working woman and is exceedingly depressed about the career of this boy. The sister is a modest and unquestionably good, self-supporting young woman. Not a word was heard against them in any way. In their distress, they gave us the full story. The parents were immigrants when young. The father died through an accident some ten years previously. The mother had kept track of the members of both families fairly well. She had a sister insane, said to have become so as the result of the menopause. The father himself had occasional attacks of epilepsy, but they were never frequent enough to hinder him working as an artisan. He was a very moderate user of alcohol. The mother had always been fairly healthy, thinks she now has a cancer. There are no other significant points in heredity that she knows. There are three living children. A number of miscarriages came after John was born. The pregnancy and birth were normal. John walked and talked very early, never any convulsions. At about two years of age, he was very low with a complication of diseases. He was sick at that time for three months. Later, he was operated on for rupture. The trouble with his eyes is of recent origin. When he was a young boy in school, a teacher once told her she did not consider him right mentally. There has been an exceeding amount of trouble with this boy. He was a great truant and reached only the fourth grade. When he was living with the uncle, he caused much trouble, and the uncle warned her. He has run away from home twelve times, stays away perhaps two weeks at a time, and comes home ragged and filthy. He has had many jobs, but stays only a day or two at work. He steals in petty ways, takes money from home when he runs away. He is very lazy, but a great reader, especially of cheap novels. 
Among the troubles with this boy is his extremely filthy talk. He has even lost one position on account of this. An aunt caught the boy in bad sex practices several years ago and told the mother. Neighbors, and earlier the school people, warned the mother that this was what was the matter with the boy. About a year ago, John was found in a room with a man and other boys engaged in bad practices. The man was sentenced to a long term in the penitentiary on account of it. Worst of all, the mother says the boy is the most malicious liar she has ever heard of. They have had a frightful time with him on account of this. For over two years, John has been telling bad stories about the stepfather. Recently, he could not stand it any longer and left the mother. He was a good and rather strict man who took much interest in the children. He tried rewards with John, but this was of no avail. The boy has destroyed the home life, but she thought it her duty to try further with her own flesh and blood. The sister is in utter despair about what John has said concerning her. The younger brother also feels great humiliation. The boy has told his worst stories about them, even in their own neighborhood. After our investigation, the boy was sent to an institution for delinquents where he could have the best of treatment for his ailments. The report from there after a few months was that he proved to be an exceedingly weak and vacillating type. He was notorious for being a boy that would do anything that was suggested to him. An outlook was kept for signs of insanity, but none was noted. Over three years later, we hear that John's character has not shown any radical change as demonstrated by his mode of living. He has served at least one term in a penal institution for adults. We do not know anything further about lying or false accusations in the case. Case Card Case 17, Boy, Age 16 Constitutional Inferiority Stigmata Heredity Father Epileptic Maternal Aunt Insane masturbation plus pervert sex experiences developmental much early illness delinquencies false accusations excessive running away repeatedly stealing sex perversions vagrancy mentality dull from physical causes question mark beginning psychosis question mark pathological liar question mark this is the end of part two of chapter four read by mary schneider